Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi everyone, I'm Sean Callahan, And hi everybody, I'm Mark Shank. And so Sean, you've been a bit busy on the weekends of late. Yes. Well, you should look, share I've what been, you've been up to. I've been um, beavering away building a little online course on sort of the tips that I would share with someone on a coaching call, if you like. Uh, so, you know, I've been lucky enough to coach a whole range of leaders in all sorts of different organisations around the world and similar questions come up and I make sure I share these seven tips with them, sort of scattered through a series of calls. And I thought, wouldn't it be good if I just put them all into one little online course and and made it available to anyone who wants to jump in and listen to it. So, yeah, if you just go to the... Uh, comments page, you know, our show notes for this podcast, you'll see the URL there. It'll take you to the, the course. It's it's $49 to, to do the course. So if you're interested, jump in and have a look. It'd be great to get your feedback. Actually, I'm, you know, I'm just learning how to do these things. So uh, any feedback would be warmly welcomed. All right. And so this is, uh, so this is very different from our virtual instructor-led programs, which we also deliver online. This is uh, an online training course where you've pre-recorded the videos and people can pay the money and then watch the videos at their leisure. That's right. And it's, you know, it's just right. around kind of about... Self-paced. Just over, yeah, self-paced. It's just over 40 minutes of uh, video for, for the, different, um, the different tips that I share. Oh, yeah, so, fantastic. Yeah. It's been good fun. I've been learning lots on how to do all that, which has been terrific. Yep. Now, we are into a new story. I think uh, I'm, I'm handballing it to you this, this week, Mark. Yeah, so I've, uh, I've, I've got... What have you got, got for us? Uh, I'm in the got? chair this week. Uh-huh. Well, I've got a, a story that dates back to the 1930s, okay. and it's a story that illustrates one of those times where just thinking differently about something can lead to completely different outcomes. And it's a story that many people would be aware of, the story of Seabiscuit, the racehorse, the thoroughbred racehorse in the US. And uh, Seabiscuit, as a young horse, the the, the Seabiscuit's trainer saw a lot of potential. Uh, So the Seabiscuit was a two-year-old and and the, the, his first trainer, James Fitzsimmons, he's a very experienced trainer and he saw potential, and, but he thought Seabiscuit was lazy. So he worked Seabiscuit really hard. And uh, now I, I'm not sure I'm too comfortable with the next line, but uh, I've read somewhere that he tried to break Seabiscuit down and beat the laziness out of him. Oh, right. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> sounds a bit extreme. Sounds, sounds, a sounds like extreme. a pretty poor leadership strategy or training strategy. Um, anyway, it didn't work. So uh, the, the horse ran last or very close to last in uh, its first 10 races. And uh, they, they very quickly sold the horse because it was, wasn't reaching its potential. And so the new owners uh, got a trainer, again, a very experienced trainer, and uh, his name was Tom Smith, and he was called Quiet Tom. Right? The horse Hello, whisperer. Quiet Tom. The, the horse whisperer. <laughs> and apparently he had unorthodox uh, training methods, and uh, he worked very hard on trying to understand more about the horse. And this very different approach quickly started to pay off because Seabiscuit 
started to win a few races. And once it had started to win a few races, it won, won more and more races. And it was it started winning virtually every race it ran in. And it was the number one horse race horse in the US. It was the top money-winning horse until the 1940s. No horse had ever won more money than Seabiscuit. And kind of gives an idea that uh, the horse with exactly the same potential produces completely different results with a different approach. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. How about that? You know, like, I mean, it makes sense, but at the same time, how many times have you seen people, you know, keep literally flogging the dead horse, you know, <laughs> literally, literally not quite right the word, but but it's 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 a terrible uh, strategy, you know. You got to mix it up a little bit. Interesting. So, where did you? Um, you've known that. Uh, obviously, you've known about Sea Biscuit for a bit, but uh, well, did, I, what, I brought you, that, what brought that to your attention? Yeah, I saw that that story in in Mike Bosworth's book, uh, "What Great Salespeople Do." Oh, okay. And he was using it as a as a as an illustration of how salespeople really need to work hard on 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 building effective interpersonal relationships. Oh, that's which is he kind of drew the parallel between what Tom Quiet Tom Smith uh, did with Sea Biscuit versus the um, get the whip the, version the James Fitzy Fitzsimmons yeah. approach, which was to get the whip out. Yeah, and just right. you know, make it work harder and harder. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's where I came across it. But of course, uh, there's been numerous movies. I think there was a Shirley Temple movie in Is that right? 1939. Mm, yep. And uh, uh, a book in the early 2000s. Uh, and another movie, right? Yeah, there was uh, the, the the 2003 movie. Well, it was actually nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture. Oh, didn't didn't win, but but oh yeah, I remember. But that, nominated. Actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, let's let's talk about what we like about the the story, okay? Or what works? Okay. I, you so, know, I think for me, it's um, I love contrast, right? So you start off with one approach. Fitzy. Fitzy doesn't go well. Then you do the other approach. Eh, it goes well. Um, we love contrast. So that to me, that's a nice part of that story. Yeah. Um, One of the things I like about it, it's such a simple story to tell. Simple yeah, yeah. and short. I reckon the only hard bit would be to uh, remember the names, right? Yeah. Though I like the, what is it? The Quiet Smith, John Quiet Smith, Tom. Is it? Quiet Tom. Tom, Tom, okay. See, I couldn't even remember that. I was going for John. So names, hard to, hard to remember. But yeah, yeah you're right. As a simple, it's a simple story generally. Yeah, and and look, if if a business leader was to use that story, and we'll, we will talk about how that does have many parallels in business. But if a business leader was telling that story, they didn't. They don't even have to remember the names. No, no, they was just you could just talk about two trainers, first trainer, yeah. second trainer. Yeah, yeah. The names names add a lot of credibility to it, but yeah, you wouldn't have to remember them. Yeah. Uh, so what I, I did deliberately try to pare that down. Did right? you? Oh, that's just, just to just to do a very like a bare bones telling of the story. Right. I didn't try and talk about you know how much money or what years it started, and you know, there's a two year old no. and a three year old, and and you don't you know, need like it. Tommy, you know, Quiet Tom was a uh, an ex uh, military, ex Navy guy, and uh, don't, yeah, don't need don't to know, know that. Don't need yeah. it. Don't need to know that stuff. 
Um, yeah, look, I think, you know, immediately when you start to talk about a horse, you know, of course, you, that's, a, that's visual. You can sort of see the thing running down the, the racetrack, you know, making the turn into the, the final straight, all that sort of stuff. Um, just sort of springs to mind when you're talking about a, any sort of a thoroughbred. Yeah, and, and, and people generally tend to have a pretty favourable view of horses, although, I mean, you know, in contrast, many people don't have a favourable view of race horsing. Yes, yes. Horse, sorry, race horsing. <laughs> I was actually going to go with that. I was going to let that slide. Because <laughs> you yeah, like thanks. to go race horsing. Race horsing. Let's go yeah. race horsing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so I think that's, that's another thing that's, uh, you know, nice and simple about it. Um, yeah, I think that's, about, that's the only thing I can really think of in, in terms of just the, the things that jump out for me. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Anything else? Well, no, I guess in terms of if we turn our attention to how would you make that story even better, then uh, 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 one of the things could be to talk about what was it that Quiet Tom did differently? Yes, well, that was something Some, going specific. through my mind. I mean, yeah. I wanted to know. Um, do you have any answers on that or that, that would require yeah, I guess I should research? The, I, I, I should go and watch the movie in order to, uh, yeah, to, to, to see better. some of that. Um, Actually, you know what would be good? Watch that movie and then relay a scene from the movie that illustrates Quiet Tom's technique. You can sort of, you know, then they got this new trainer and, I don't know, have you seen the movie Sea Biscuit? Well, there's this great scene where Quiet Tom comes up, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's obviously some yeah. technique. No, you so, definitely do that. Yeah, but, you know what, I, I, I'd be more tempted to read the book. So there was a book, a 2001 book. I'd be more tempted. I, I, I feel I would get a more accurate uh, yeah, but yeah, how rendition. long would it take you? You have to read a whole book. Well, that's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 90 minutes, you've got the Seabiscuit story. There you go. Yeah, so you've, got to just, be, you've got to get efficient in this uh, exercise. Just trying to see how many pages it is. Um, yeah, so, um, okay, what else? What else can we do to make that an even better story, Mark? I think, um, you know, I, I like that whole adding a little bit of... Um, description of what people look like perhaps you know that i don't think it's necessary it might help a little bit um like for example you, you can assume people sort of know what sea biscuit looked like but you can just sort of say you know it's a chestnut brown filly yeah, 15 well, hand high i don't know how, how big that 50, 55 it wasn't a sea biscuit wasn't a particularly big horse Right, kind of right. kind of an ordinary sized horse wasn't yeah, it? yeah. yeah it wasn't the like, uh, like the 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 far lap, you right. know, massive, massive heart and massive height or whatever. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think, yeah, that's probably the only things I can think of in terms of making the story better. Nothing else jumps out for me. Um, where would we use it? How well, would you use this one, Mark? Oh, I think there's many, uh, many analogous situations. Uh, leaders are faced regularly with the situation where somebody uh, where they think it's got potential, isn't realizing that potential or, they they see somebody and they think oh, they're a, they're no good at their job. Yeah, yeah, and that's right. Yeah, you can tell sort of that story. Yeah, actually, this whole idea of of you know an analogy story is I think is a very important one. That you know that's an analogy that you would um, you know you, you tell the sea biscuit story as an analogy for something else that's happening in the business, and it kind of reminds me of. Uh, the analogy I heard that Roosevelt used to get the American uh, population 
behind the whole World War II effort, right? So Churchill was bending Roosevelt's ear around, um, you know, getting getting ships and and supplies over to, to the UK to fight the the Nazis, and the and of course he couldn't get there buy-in. He didn't think Congress would really go for it. So he was holding back as much as he could. And he went on a holiday. He comes back from the holiday um, and he, he gets this idea. And it's a little story analogy. He's, as he comes off the boat, he's, you know, the press is all there ready to hear what he's you know, got up to on his holiday. And he sort of said, look, for this whole thing with Churchill, it's a bit like um, your neighbor's house starts to burn down. You know, it's being consumed by a fire. And he runs over and says, I want to, I need to use your, your hose. And you don't sort of say to your neighbour, look, you can't use my hose. Of course, you allow, you know, you sort of say, yeah, of course, you help out. You drag the hose over there. And, and so at the end of the fire, I mean, they've used it to, you know, douse the fire. If the hose gets destroyed, well, your neighbour buys you a new hose, right? And, um, but otherwise, they just return it. Here is hose, it was un, undamaged. And that was the beginning of the Lend-Lease Act that America put in place to enable it to actually provide battleships and, and other supplies to the UK. And it was just really, they reckon that analogy was the thing that got them over the, over the hump. So it just kind of shows you these stories, how this, you know, these tiny stories can have this phenomenal power in helping people imagine you know, a different situation. And yeah, and so, and it's a great example of, of, of the use of a story as a, or a, a, an analogy in a sales process. Because like Roosevelt's selling a big idea. Yeah. And the, one of the things I find interesting about that, that little story that you told about, about uh, that time was that he wasn't even prepared to have a go until he felt that he had a, a good way of explaining it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And then, as you say, he came back from holiday and then suddenly, bingo, bango, huh, yes, this, this makes sense now. like that. It's, right. it's, it's quite interesting. It's a sense-making process. He's able to make sense of it using the analogy. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so, I, you know, when you can come up and see, if you can start to build those types of story analogies in your story bank, they become phenomenally powerful to get ideas, you know, sort of up and running in an organisation. There's some people who are just a natural at it. You know, have you met those folk who just seem to be able to say, oh, that's just like, and, you know, they're able to mm, give an analogy yeah. or tell a story that's analogous. Um, I have to work a little bit harder to, to find those analogies. But when you do, God, they're, they're just terrific. Yeah. So if we turn our attention back to Seabiscuit and, yeah. and how you can use this in the business context, um, one of them for me is this thing about uh, helping people find their potential. And if somebody's not finding their potential, you know, it's a very strong temptation for managers to go, oh, they're no good. When in fact, you might tell the Seabiscuit story and go, well, maybe you need to just try a different way to yeah. un un unlock their potential. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You need to find a new way. And, you know, like compare this trainer with this trainer. Um, this trainer, work them harder. This trainer, understand them more. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. No, I like that. Yeah, no, I think there's a few good places to, to tell that story. And, and there's, there's kind of a, a few stories that are in this similar genre. Right. And uh, one of them is the, uh, the uh, Ken Robinson. So Ken Robinson's story 
uh, about Gillian the dancer that he opens his TED talk with. And I think, I think it's actually the first, uh, like the opening uh, page of his book, The Element, yes. where he talks about young Gillian and, and you know, find, helping her find her that. passion. Go and have a look at that. We'll put it in the show notes as well, the link to that particular TED talk. And you can listen to Ken Robinson. He's an absolutely terrific storyteller and you'll get a great story out of it as well. We might have even told that story on this podcast, have we? I don't know. Yes, I think we did. Okay, so go and remind yourself of that. You'll find that, yeah, it is um, a terrific story to have in your story bank. Yeah. Good. Anything else we need to, to, you know, I don't want to close up the conversation too quickly because I know I have the habit of doing that, Mark. Yeah. yeah. Anything else to add, Mark? Is this an appropriate (laughs) time to actually... Finish the uh, conversation about secrets. Well, there's just <laughs> one, there's more, one thing. more thing. Okay. <laughs> um, the Hawthorne studies in the 1920s, uh, kind of one of the, the very first uh, industrial uh, org psych type, org behavior uh, studies, uh, where they uh, had a factory and the Hawthorne Lighting Company, I think. And uh, uh, some researchers went in and they progressively improved the conditions of the workers. Sort of slightly longer breaks, uh, an additional break, shorter working day, because the working day was quite long. But anyway, they made all these changes and gradually improved. And every time they made an improvement, people, their productivity increased. And then they thought, oh, this is interesting. We don't, there doesn't seem to be a limit to this. And then they took away all of the changes and everything went back to normal and productivity still increased. And what they concluded is that just being interested in people is enough to motivate them. Right. There you go. And so uh, being genuinely interested in Seabiscuit led to the improvement. Yep. The performance improvement, significant performance improvement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's just one more little yeah, side on that one. To, to put in there. That's good. Okay, right. Let's give it a, a rating. Uh, Seabiscuit, I think I would give it a seven. Seven for me. Uh, it's a story I uh, could easily tell. Like, I don't have to know the names of trainers. I would forget that most likely, uh, unless I was going in to do a talk at maybe the Australian Jockey Club or something like that. I wouldn't get into that detail. But it makes the point really nicely. And, and it's something that people recognise. I think that's the other thing too. It's that whole relevance and recognition side of things. When you recognize the name and you sort of go, yep, I get it. It's not this esoteric thing. It's a very concrete, tangible thing. You can sort of get your hands around. So yeah, I'll give it a seven out of 10. What about you? Yep. Seven. And I, as you were saying that, uh, I was thinking that uh, just before the, the, the COVID-19 shutdown, I was due to run a big event uh, for a couple of hundred people at Randwick Racecourse in Sydney. It's for one of the, one of the the banks. And I could easily have said, ah, here we are at Randwick and then the Seabiscuit, blah, blah, blah. You know, the, just the location uh, creates that, uh, that, that space to tell that story. Yeah, natural segue there. Absolutely. Fantastic. Okay, well, yeah, for those details we talked about today, just check out the show notes. And um, thanks again for uh, coming along, listening to Anecdotally Speaking. 
can I just just one more thing? Please make Sean happy. Go and check out his his online course. It is in fact really good. So um, you'll make him a happy man. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, thanks again for listening to Anecdotally Speaking, and yeah, tune in next week for yet another episode on how to put your stories to work. Bye for now. Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.